Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody? Before we get into today's record, I want to take a quick minute to let all the moms and dads out there know about a really cool show for kids from Small But Mighty Media and Next Chapter Podcast called The 10 News. I can see how kids feel kind of overwhelmed by all the headlines and crazy stories from around the world that are constantly flooding social media feeds. If you have kids, you know they are sponges. They pick up all the things that we don't want them to pick up, and they go and talk about them with their friends. Man, that's how you get QAnon. But hearing bits and pieces of grown-up conversations of the news isn't really enough to help them understand what's going on in the world around them. So, the 10 News offers 10 minutes going beyond the headlines, explaining current events, giving context with a dose of fun, jokes, and trivia. They also do interviews. They had the voice of Ash Ketchum from Pokemon, the original Mary Poppins herself, Julie Andrews, and a town hall with Dr. Anthony Fauci answering kids' questions. New episodes of the 10 News come out every Tuesday and Thursday with extra episodes on Saturdays. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit the10news.com. And now, back to the pod. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of these four, Angelo, talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end, with my man J.A.M. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end I saw it at the Rio Theater in Gaithersburg with Ben Allen We were high as balls And then the movie ended and this came on And I was like You want to go to Joe's Crab Shack? Psych, we didn't go to Joe's Crab Shack, we couldn't afford it. But the song is Where Is My Mind by Pixies from their 1988 record, Surfer Rosa. It's also number 317 out of 500 on my show, The 500. Sup, y'all? How you doing? I just got back from being on the road for about three weeks. I was in Nashville doing a goddamn comedy jam for Nashville Comedy Fest with Kid Rock. Uh, it was as magical as you could ever possibly think it would be. And then we went straight to Moon Tower for five nights where we did a live recording of the pod with uh, our normals, Big J and Sklar's. Uh, it's good. Okasek, you'll see. Okasek. And we did a bunch of jams, a bunch of shows. They were magical. Uh, huge thanks to everybody at Moon Tower Comedy Festival and also a huge shout out to everybody at, at Nashville 
Uh, Lucy, I love you. Thank you for setting all that up. And uh, and then I came back for two days and I went to Netflix as a joke fest in Los Angeles. And uh, that's why my voice is like this. I am done. I am done. I've done so many jams. I've done so much stand up. I've eaten so many tacos. I had so much barbecue. I, I taped a, a special for Netflix under the Bill Burr Presents umbrella. I've done a lot. And now for the next few days, I will be resting until I got to go back out to see Billy Joel Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. Just got some more mushrooms. The only thing that I could tell you to do is subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, for $5 or more a month, uh, you get to ask questions to the guests. The guests can hear your questions. Go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube. Do everything that you got to do. Also, I want to do a huge thanks to all the listeners of uh, the 500, the Fleece Army. You guys are great. I put it out there sometimes where we can't find a guest. I'm like, God, we can't find anybody. And and I'm like, who do you guys think? And and with with overwhelming response for Pixies, it came back the guest we have today. The one and only Patton Oswalt. You know him. Do I have to go through all of his credits? Because he's got a lot of them. Multiple specials. Uh, you know him from, from television, from voiceover. I mean, Ratatouille, for Christ's sake. An incredible stand-up comic. An incredible dude. I had so much fun talking about one of his favorite bands uh, with him. And dude, we got it down to the wire. To the wire. Like, literally... We recorded this Tuesday night, and it dropped today for all of y'all, and well, well worth it. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500, and if you're listening on Apple, subscribe, do all this stuff, man. Just subscribe. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Go to joshadammyers.com for all tickets. Uh, I've got a bunch of shows coming up. I'll be in Pittsburgh. I'll be at the 930 Club in Washington, D.C. June 27th, I'm headlining the D.C. Improv. June 24th and 25th, lots of cool shit. JFL, uh, music festivals, it's all there on my website. And if it's not, it'll be up there soon. Email the pod at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, here we go, guys. 317 out of 500 with Surferosa by Pixies. In the three and a half years of doing this podcast, we uh, have never cut it so close to the moment that the show is coming out. Literally, my editors are mad. And I say, but just wait, just wait. I promise you it is going to be worth it. And because the gods uh, of, of Dave Rathacole Mountain have shined yeah. upon us. We have made this happen. Uh, yeah. la ladies and gentlemen, we got Pat Oswalt to talk about the Pixies. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Now, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Does this drop the next day? It drops on Wednesday, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is cutting it close. But no, but what's funny is a lot of podcasts are like, oh, they'll do it, and then two hours later it's out. But we, we, from adding music and doing this and doing everything, it's, it's my editors just get really mad at me. Uh, one of them was online, uh, Jeremiah. He's, uh, he's, he's going to jump right into this and start editing immediately. Wow. So, okay, good. Uh, but, but there's no other person because when I put out the smoke signal of who should we get for the Pixies and mm -hmm. it came back you almost tenfold. Um, bef wow. but, be but before we get into that, promote away. Anything you want to promote, go ahead. 
Well, if you're listening to this on a Wednesday and you live in Denver, <laughs> Colorado, uh, you still have time to buy tickets to the 9.30 show of my Netflix special taping at the Paramount in Denver, Colorado, Saturday, May 14th. 7 o'clock show, all tickets are gone. 9.30 show, there's tickets left. I'm taping it. It's my next Netflix special. Be a part of history. And uh, go to PatNoswalt.com and get yourself a ticket and one for your friend. Why not? You excited about this one? You really like, it's coming out of the pandemic. It's, you know, yeah. different world. I'm actually, yeah, I'm excited for that reason. I'm excited for, you know, people being able to get together safely and kind of, yeah. okay, well, we're moving. We're moving with optimism and, and faith into the new world, <laughs> even though the new world seems kind of awful. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it is bad, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, dude, it's great. It's great. I've seen some of your new stuff. I saw you doing stuff at the improv. I saw that you were at the Netflix festival and so yeah. it was a lot of, I'm, I just got back. I am, uh, I was in LA for three weeks and they put oh. me up, they put me up at the W, which was nice. Um, it was very, very, very uh, classy. Uh, what but were I think you doing I, at the? Were you doing something at the Netflix festival, or were you doing I, other things? I was doing. I did a taping for Bill Burr Presents, uh, and then I did uh, the Goddamn Comedy Jam, which is the show that I think I've been trying to get you on for years, where you do stand up yeah. and then you sing a cover song with a live band. Yes. Why have? Why has that never happened? I don't know, man. It will. It will. It I will. think after today. It I think will, after God today. But, they, yeah. but that's funny. That's funny because the music that I'd assume that you would want to sing would be shit like this. And yeah, it, it would be rough <laughs> post-punk, um, but pre um, uh, post-punk and pre-grunge is kind of my sweet spot. That really? whole late 80s, it was like punk is dying. So the people that are left doing it are so stubborn and contrarian, even though things are moving into whole like New Jack City and soft um, secretary rock and yeah. there seems to be no future for punk and they're like we're digging or I'm going to dig in twice as hard now so <laughs> bands like Killing Joke and the Pixies I just have so much affection for them well I, I was what I was curious was because you so in 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 88 you're what 17 18 years old I was 19 you're 19 years old yeah. so you're at that perfect age to absorb the alt rock movement like that is about to sweep the country. Yes. You know, and we're talking yeah. right before, right before Pixies, right before REM. So what I wanted before we even get into those bands, what was your playlist before these bands dropped? Well, my play look, my playlist was pretty friggin' embarrassing because hmm. I grew up a sheltered suburban veal. And so half of my music and culture I got third, fourth, fifth hand. So I was still very much into um, uh, top 40 pop rock, uh, Phil Collins, old uh, classic rock, Doors Who, Zeppelin. I didn't, and, and it wasn't until two things happened. One, freshman year of college, I got introduced to all this stuff in, in, in a wave. It was suddenly um, uh, R.E.M. and Pixies, Husker Du, and stuff like that, stuff that I had missed. This is in yeah. 88. But even before that, and this is even sadder, in the summer of 84, the movie Repo Man came out. Mm -hmm. So the summer of 84 is when I discovered punk rock. I had no idea what it was until the Repo Man soundtrack came out. I saw Repo Man, I listened to the soundtrack, and it led me backwards. It was all West Coast punk, but it led me backwards into uh, D.C. area punk and then British punk. I had, to, I had to run to catch up, but even though I was late, 
none of the music seemed to be angry that I had gotten there 10 years late and were totally <laughs> happy to have me hang out. So you, know, you, you, you get there when you get there. Yeah. But you, you just kind of threw shade on like Phil and I just saw Genesis, which I'm not going to lie. Oh, I like, would, listen, He's he's one he shouldn't be touring right now. Like it's oh he's got God. the money. He's got the money. Like it was a great show, but he he doesn't stand. And when they did the encore, they just the band left and they turned the lights off and just let Phil sit up there. <laughs> yeah, was like, it was. I mean, look, Phil. I, I'm not putting Phil down either. What I'm saying is, I was not close to post punk um, music. I was close to top forty stuff. Yeah. Even though I got to give Phil credit, he seemed to smuggle. Uh, it, no, his movie, his music didn't sound punk rock, but he smuggled some pretty dark shit into his um, fun uh, music. A lot of his songs are pretty angry and ugly about divorce and yeah. romantic failure. That that song Mama is is in my in my uh, book as creepy as uh, Frankie Teardrop in terms of just com- sheer um creepiness on yeah. on uh on vinyl so yeah one of the things that i do because i've moved to new york uh once a month uh, i take mushrooms and i go see billy joel at madison square garden doing it saturday just, i am well funny you mention that because i'm taping my special this saturday and then i am talking to some friends i have friends who do microdosing and psychedelics i've never really i've done a few acid trips when i was in my 20s yeah. Now that I'm older and I have friends who I trust, whose opinions I trust, who are getting into microdosing and getting into um, uh, psilocybin and stuff like that, and yeah. I'm going to start experimenting with that. But they all said, don't start experimenting the week leading up to your special. Like, do your special, <laughs> and then when you have time off, then we can start messing around with you. They've sent me gummies. They've sent me chocolate bars. They said, go put these in your fridge. And we'll get together when you come back from Denver. Then we can start playing. <laughs> or go for it, dude. And just I'm eat a couple caps and just rip, dude. <laughs> just rip. God, he was I, out I there that night. I eventually do want to do a special when I'm on some kind of um, controlled substance. Not, I don't want to do, I mean, I did my first album, I'm drunk. But that doesn't really count. Um, that was out of nerves. Yeah. I actually want to, like, write, conceive, and execute an album on a slightly um, reality-altering substance and see where it takes me. Or you could just go full meta and do Facebook, like just get everybody in the metaverse. That's the thing. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but people love it. Again, you know what I think I'm going to be? The reason one of the reasons that Pixies appealed to me was I started stand-up in 88 when stand-up was dying. And I have this affinity for dying forms. Like I'm going to (laughs) start directing this year. I'm directing my special this Saturday. I'm directing when uh, feature films are starting to kind of go away and be replaced by shorter streaming stuff. I seem to be attracted to forms as they're dying. So maybe (laughs) I will, when everything moves to meta platforms and people are doing their stand-up specials on Fortnite, I will be the last guy out there just filming it with a camera and trying to put it on television somewhere or, or <laughs> stubbornly putting it on vinyl. I just, I, just so, I have an affinity for dead forms. I don't know why I just do. I, I, that'd be so funny. If you're like, honey, honey, I got a new, I got a new thing. I want to like really support. We got to support fracking, fracking and fossil fuel. I don't know. It's just, I, I feel like it's, it's got to come back. <laughs> honey, we listen to me. <laughs> we bought an oil well in Plains, Texas. I know. 
that everyone's got a Tesla <laughs> generator, but this is going to, we're going to sit on this for a few decades. We're going to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's all dead forms, man. I don't know what it is. It's old school. That's how I do it I too. Love it's it. like, I, I love it. I, 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 if there's something, but it's like, like, listen, I mean, I haven't listened to this record on a record player, but this is a record I would actually like to listen to on a record. Player. Yeah. There's, yeah. I don't have well, a record if, player, but. And by the way, when I'm in my eighties or nineties and meta or whatever that form is dying. dying, that's when I'll get on it. That's <laughs> As it's dying, that's when I want to get on it. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors comedians fighters musicians everything in between i'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it so if that sounds like something you're into go check out drinks with johnny streaming everywhere now <laughs> um all right we talked about for a moment we talked about for a moment like that perfect age so so you said you're starting stand up yeah. like tell me take me to that first moment because at this point you already said repo men came out so you're into punk like, like, how is, how is, how does the Pixies come into your, your stratosphere? They came in through college. I was working at the college radio station. I was also working at the newspaper. I was sent to review. There were, there was a concert at my school. It was Love and Rockets headlining yes. and the Pixies were opening up and they, this is when the Pixies were touring on Doolittle. And uh, I had never heard of the Pixies that I came into our, they were in the big stadium, um, it was like half full and the Pixies opened up and they were fucking amazing. They were so raw and bouncing around on stage. Black Francis broke a string during um, Crackety Jones and they had to replace it. And just, it, it, I had never seen something more alive and fun and real and sloppy looking. It was, it was love at first sight. The weird thing about this story though yeah. is when the Pixies were done, then uh, Love and Rockets marched out to with Fog Machine came on. They marched out, planted their feet, did their new album in order, oh. in order. Never, never spoke to each other, never acknowledged each other on stage. Marched off stage, marched back on, did no new tale to tell. And then that early one, Tones on Tail, the Yeah song. Yeah. And and then marched off again. And then a month later, they broke up. Like like we saw. You saw the divorce happening. Now, years later, Trump Lamont comes out, and I'm so excited, and I go see the Pixies up in Baltimore, I believe at the vault, and um, uh, Per Ubu opens up, and Dave Stewart is hopping around on stage, and he threw his jacket over his bass player, and it was hilarious, and just was raw and real, and you just think it was amazing. And then the Pixies marched out, planted their feet, did trompe le monde in order, never, never t bantered with each other, never acknowledged each other, marched off stage, marched back on, <laughs> did Monkey Gone to Heaven. A month later, they had broken up. 
Like, like I saw, <laughs> oh, that's what happened. That's what four or five years on the road does to a band. Yeah. It just drives them all crazy. And they're like, I'm done. I'm done. And then they, they like, so it was amazing. The parallels of seeing that to me was incredible. I love, I hate it. Like I, I just got into Bauhaus and, and so now to find out that they were loving rockets, it's I like, and and I, crazy. I, mean, I know, but dude, Bauhaus is so cool and I'm not into goth shit whatsoever, but they're so cool. Bella Lugosi's dead. I mean, that could be oh, yeah. 25 minutes long and I want all of it, but. Well, Bauhaus, Bauhaus and, um, Joy Division are are in those in that category, and I also put bands like the Buzzcocks or even like uh, the Coup and Boots Riley, where they're in a certain genre, but they can't help writing catchy tunes, and they're yeah. in a genre that doesn't reward catchy tunes, and they just like it's not my fault that I'm this good a songwriter. Like like you can tell the Buzzcocks, <laughs> you could feel in the vocals they want to be this angry punk rock band, but they're like. I got all these goddamn hooks and riffs. It's not my fault. Like all their songs are catchy. There's a reason that there's a Buzzcock song was used. I think in a, like a Subaru Outback commercial because their songs are just fun. They yeah. can't help it. They're good yeah. songwriters. Dude, so alive is just a perfect like synth pop. <laughs> like yes. it's so pop, pop punk. It's got all the elements of everything that I love. It's sexy. It's dark. Oh, and you watched them break up. It literally, by the way, in So Alive, they have the background chorus of singers that, if I'm not mistaken, is the same background chorus of singers in um, Hot Chocolates, Everyone's a Winner. It's the same, um, you never fail to satisfy. It's the same (laughs) rising thing that shows up later in So Alive. They're the exact same ones. I love it. Yeah. Um, So so you, so you, you see the band. You know, tell me, like, how did how did it become this? Like, how did it influence you? Like, how did it change you? Because it seems to me like this is a band that that you have talked about multiple times, and you have put yeah. out there how much you love them, which is great. So, you know, well, take it was you also, there. yeah, I mean, the big influence on me, especially watching that show opening for Love and Rockets, was because up until that time, as a stand-up, I still had that that mindset of. You get ready for a show. You put on different clothes. You put on a different persona. You're putting on a show, and you put on your show clothes. And Love and Rockets, clearly, when they come out, they've got their rock star clothes on and their rock star fog machine and their rock star lights. And the Pixies, look they look like they had just gotten finished loading their own equipment. Like, it was – they were so raw and stripped down to the point where – in other words, there was so nothing interesting about what they were wearing that – it forced you to focus just on the music. Yeah. There was nothing else to look at except the fact that these nondescript, almost forgettable looking people were the, the most amazing music was roaring out of them. And it, and it gave you this sense of confidence that if they're that confident to walk out like that and just let it fucking rip. I mean, even a band like the Ramones or later like Talking Heads, which I, my music theory teacher at the time said, the Talking Heads dress like they're not ready for a festival. They're ready for Lent. They're all in gray. They they go out of the way to make give you nothing to look at. But the fact that they're all dressed in pale gray gives you something to look at. The yeah. Pixies were were like and, and the Ramones. Yes, the Ramones are very stripped down, but they all have leather jackets and they're all named Ramon. So there's still and there's there's a there's a sense of art direction going on there. The Pixies was so aggressively anti any of that. Like it was absolutely stripped down there was no light package there was nothing it was here we are don't get this 
there's nothing to see here. Listen to what we're doing. And yeah. I, it just blew me away. And, and I just kind of never looked back. And it it really started changing how I, I, I really got into, I want to dress on stage exactly like I am off stage. I want to talk on stage exactly like I talk off stage. Like it was that kind of, I need to get that pure. How so far into stand-up were you? I had been, at the time I saw them, when did Doolittle come out? 90 or Do 89? Doolittle came out in uh, 98, but hold on. Let me, Jeremiah, can you look that up while I look for it? Was Doolittle 89? 89, yeah. It was the year after. Okay, so I had been doing stand-up for one year. And that first year was very much about, you know, I got like a suit jacket on and I have like a, cool t-shirt under the suit jacket because that's what everyone looks like and I've got the uniform and then after seeing the Pixies it very much became whatever I'm wearing that day I'm just going to go up in that but but there's going to be no separation but also isn't that kind of like I mean maybe I'm wrong but it's like you you know at the beginning of the alt comedy scene or is that further into the 90s well I mean the alt comedy scene exploded in 92, 93 but it was going on from the late 80s, just like grunge blew up in 91, but it had been going on for five or six years. It just had no attention on it. What was amazing about the the alt-comedy scene came out of the most pedestrian strip mall comedy clubs. People like, especially the two people that really truly started it were Janine Garofalo and Dana Gould, who people forget were total road dogs, could kill in clubs. They were solid club comics who got so good at what they were doing that the boredom started to set in and they started to play around with exactly how personal can I make things on stage? How immediate can I start making it in a club setting? It's why it's why Bill Hicks is so kind of miraculous and that he's the godfather of that scene. He wasn't doing his amazing groundbreaking stuff in a coffee shop or the Largo or the Uncabaret. He was doing it um, at, at, as Dana would say, Uncle Fucker's Chuckle Hut. He was in <laughs> he was in clubs where people are there that they just want to see jokes about airline food and my yeah. wife's crazy and blah blah blah. And suddenly, there's this it, that that kind of thing reminds me of Kurt Vonnegut's Kilgore Trout. The way that he is a guy, he's a prophet, but his stuff is is going unheard because it's being said in like porno magazines and spank mags, like all his <laughs> stories. Uh, that can actually save humanity are being published in the shittiest venues. So people naturally go, this can't be important. It's in an issue of jugs. Who the hell reads this shit? You know? <laughs> and it was the same with Bill Hicks. Like how he's just, he was just one of many people that they saw at the, you know, at the go bananas or whatever. Like, so that, and, and the Pixies also were coming out of, you know, post-punk punk was dying, kind of lost, there were a lot of big shirts going on. There was a lot of Queens Reich. There was a lot of like metal was huge and big hair. And again, big hair and fog machines. Duran Duran, handsome models doing rock. And here come the fucking Pixies who look like every other band's roadies or how would the roadies get up there? Why is he just screaming? Yeah. Like it yeah. was it was so refreshing. That's you know? what um we had we had Tom Marillo on to talk about the clash. Wow. And and he oh, said wow. we talked about Sandinista. And I remember he said watching them was like, I can do that. The way they have it set up, they were just regular dudes. They had their amps on like a chair, mic'd, same yes. setup that I had. And I was like, I can do that. If because before, I mean even maybe with punk too, 
because punk, even though like, you know, from what I know about it, and this is excluding Fugazi, Minor Threat and Bad Brains, the DC yeah. stuff, where, which was like very raw and just looked like regular guys, but kind of tough. Yeah. But there is like, when you, when you talk about like the Sex Pistols, you know, that you, that's such a, like, even though they're like, it's do it yourself, the way they look is just so contrived from the leather jackets with the things in their lips and the, the, the hair. Like, it's like most people are like, oh, I don't want to do that because I don't want to pierce my face and get a mohawk. But well, then, keep in mind though, um, everyone that I remember people were down on on groups like InSync and the Backstreet Boys. I'm like, the InSync and Backstreet Boys are just as manufactured as the Sex Pistols and Led Zeppelin. Sex Pistols and Led Zeppelin were constructed by outside forces. Let's bring the best of what's representative of youth at the time and roll the dice with this. So you know, now that I think that Zeppelin and the Pistols had way more depth and um, meat their music but there was a there was a lot of contrivance there's a lot of contrivance in a guy to, you know when you see a mohawk in different colors you're like that took a lot of time and money and focus to do yeah. whereas the pixies like i don't know if they took a shower today <laughs> like, like they there was there's such a aggressive non-look that went on all of the time here went into practicing and trying to figure out what will make the music sound the best i could give a fuck what i look like What's up, party people? I hope you're digging the episode. I want to tell you about some stuff. Real quick, have you heard about another awesome show from Next Chapter Podcast and BasketballNews.com called The Rex Chapman Show? Would you like me to explain it? So I talk a lot about music, but I don't get to talk about the thing that I love almost as much, which is sports. And luckily, Next Chapter has a true legend on their roster, former NBA All-Star Rex Chapman. Yes, Rex Chapman, out of Kentucky. Yes, Rex Chapman, played for the Charlotte Hornets. Yes, Rex Chapman, played for the Washington Bullets, one of the best three-point specialists of all time. But in his post-basketball career, people are calling him the king of Twitter. So along with his co-star, actor Josh Hopkins from Cougar Town, True Detective, and CSI Miami, Rex interviews his friends from the world of hoops in Hollywood, like Steph Curry, Shaq, and Jane Lynch. Listen to the Rex Chapman show wherever you get your podcasts or visit basketballnews.com to watch videos of the show. And now a back to the pod. How did that, how did everything change after the Pixies came in? Like how did like, I mean, now you're, 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 you're doing standup. You're working at the college radio station. Do you, we were going to William and Mary, right? Went to William and Mary. Yeah. I old mean, colonial. Yeah. Oh, that was my old. mom used to take us to go. Like we used to go to colonial Williamsburg in that area. Really? Like, yeah, dude. I was, I, I was a whole thing where it's like, and now we're here at the butter churner. And, yeah, and exactly, you're like, Oh yeah. man. You, do you want to fight King George? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I just uh, want to find the bathroom, yeah. dude. <laughs> I live just off of a Duke of Gloucester street, or as we called it dog street. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, in, in college. I mean, for me, it was, um, it, I changed in ways that I didn't realize I was changing. Like I started doing stuff on stage where, because before then I was very much um, focused on got to be a laugh every second, just got to be animated, going, going, going. I, I became less and less afraid of silence and long passages where there aren't any laughs. And I'm, I was more confident enough to build up to something and let it be quiet, let it be quiet, let it be quiet. Boom! You know, which is what Pixies, loud, quiet, yeah, loud. Like, loud, quiet, really loud, yeah. I really loved that kind of, you know, it was, again, it was, when you're that age, you're also, you're looking for anything that will give you a false sheen of confidence. So going out of my way to not dress for the stage and 
go into silences was that whole, this is how confident I am because I didn't actually have the real confidence. So I'm going to do this kind of uh, defiant version of confidence to try to like, you know, Engendering yeah, yeah. So, so speaking of that concert though, because I, I like you mentioned the the quiet, loud, quiet, um, loud because it's got to end on loud. But oh you my know, god, <laughs> quiet, loud, loud, quiet, quiet. How like was the show that first show that you saw with them? Was that just was that just like literally the record, the sound? I mean, was it was it heavier? Was it gnarlier? Like what? Like do you remember? It, it wasn't the thing about the pick. The Pixies aren't heavy they're raw even the silence is raw because they always make sure to put the silent or quiet parts either next to the biggest loudest jangliest parts or especially you'll notice a lot of this um on uh on uh surferosa that they um the silence is a it's a threatening lurk it's somebody is just talking under their breath and you realize they're about to explode. There's nothing. I I always heard that when you're in a fight situation, if someone is coming at you waving their arms and screaming, what they're trying to do is they're trying to shut the fight down before it happens. That's why they do that. You make yourself big and loud and maybe the other person will go, okay, calm down. You're right. Whatever. But if someone is walking towards you quietly and their face is passive, run you're because fucked. they're ready to go <laughs> you and, are fucked. The, and the pixies really recreate that feeling in their silence of it's one thing to be a loud crazy drunk at a bar but a quiet seething drunk is always like oh okay this is not yeah. good yeah this yeah, is yeah. about to go really wrong <laughs> and i gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> and they really i mean again think of where they came up from boston umass um, they must have seen a lot of that because Boston is the world capital of seething, uh, angry Irish drunks who are really, really quiet until they're not. Yeah. And <laughs> I think you learn very, I think you learn very young in Boston, like, don't worry about the yelling guy, worry about the quiet guy. Get yeah. away from the quiet guy. Um, all right. Just so for the fans out there that don't know about the Pixies, we got a little blurb we're going to read. Yeah, uh, go so, so they are Beantown bass formed in 1986, consisted of Black Francis on vocals, rhythm guitar, Kim Dale on bass and backing vocals, Joey Santiago on lead guitar, and David Lovering on drums. They're associated with the 90s alternative boom, and the roots of that are found on today's album of discussion. And the little, like, like, like skadoodle we have, Francis and Santiago met while attending UMass, and Kim was the only person to respond for an ad looking for a bassist <laughs> that liked Peter, Paul, and Mary and Husker Du. Dude, no, Peter, well, Paul, and Mary. Oh, my God. That's the loud, quiet, loud. That They, yeah. they literally put it in their fucking ad. Yeah, dude. Oh, By the way, like that. the one band that I've seen more than anybody is Peter, Paul, and Mary because of my my parents. I've seen them like twelve oh, times. No, yeah, they terrible. dragged you to go see them. Oh boy, yeah, Wolf Trap and Wolf Trap and that's what- <laughs> fucking Wolf Trap. I saw so many shows at Wolf Trap, and Wolf Trap was another one of those places where this is going to be a weird side note, but one of the before I ever became a comedian, I saw Jay Leno there. Um, part of some afternoon music and comedy festival. I didn't know, even know there was comedy. I just wanted, there were some bands there. I think the fabulous Thunderbirds were there or somebody, you know, and yeah. we're all sitting out in the lawn. Everyone's getting hammered. And there, so there's a band, there's a band. And then a fucking guy comes out with a weird haircut and this suit. And he's just standing there talking. And he got a mat. You know what the lawn on Wolf Trap is like in the middle of the afternoon. Everyone's just wandering around. No one. Yeah. And he focused that whole lawn at three in the afternoon. Everyone's sun blind, sun drunk. 
um, afternoon drinking and just focused everyone. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, I think I want to do that someday. Yeah. But I couldn't even conceive of what he was doing because then he said, thank you, and left. And then another band came on. It was like, what the fuck did I just see? It was amazing. <laughs> they were like, puff the magic dragon, <laughs> live by. I was, I was the worst. It was the worst. But it was one of the first places I ever smoked pot and went to a concert because I was like, I'm getting high and watching them this time because I well, got to see why everybody's into them. You must have gotten a contact high before you knew what weed was. If, if your yeah, taking you, yeah, you know? we there was well nobody my, nobody in my family ever really smoked pot, and so I I think right around 13, 14 is when I smoked, and I think like we started going when I was like eight years old. So wow. if we did, yeah, if we did. I didn't know it. It could have just made me feel like I took more, you know, anti hyperactivity medication. But for the most part, I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty good. But dude, it's it's a terrible concert high too. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's you're just right. bad. After Hang recording down a demo, your head, Tom <laughs> Dooley. Oh God, you're ruining my buds. Come on, man, dude, this is lame. <laughs> After like, recording a demo tape known as the Purple Tape, it found its way to independent tape. label 4AD. Now, I did some research on 4AD. Mm-hmm. Like, is, did did you did that mean anything to you back then? I, I didn't even understand what record labels were. I just thought. There was one company that put out. I was such a smacked ass suburban kid. I didn't know from record labels. I had no sure. idea. Sure. So, so when I was talking to my buddy about it, is like this was like another thing that added to their to the to not the mystery, but the the legend of Pixies because 4AD was a record label that was primarily these like hip. British and specifically British, like Bauhaus, Cocteau really? Twins. So it was, it was kind of it added a little like cool factor that this band from Boston is on this British like hip label. Wow. Yeah, I, d- cool. I didn't. So they must. Do they have a? Did they have a man in the states that heard of them or like how did they, that's that's interesting. I don't know. The, the Jeremiah, British can you look that up? Can you look that up, bud? The British label. Like, We've got to expand our canvas. Bring <laughs> these Bostonians into it. I've heard they're very good. I've heard this loud, quiet, loud, loud, it, it, quiet. It, it's, a, it's a bit jangly, <laughs> but then it, it calms down a bit, and then it's jangly. Then it's Ooh, jangly it, again. It's ever so delicious. <laughs> it's more plum pudding. <laughs> so they really, a mini LP called Come On Pilgrim, Pilgrim was then released with eight uh, of those tracks. The religious lyrics on this and later albums came from Francis's parents being born again Christian in a Pentecostal church, and that leads mm-hmm. us to today's record, um, I hate to say this, what I'm about to say, Uh-oh. but I hate to say it. No, 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 no. I love this. I, I'm so glad I had, I had heard Pixies throughout the years, but my first introduction to Pixies was, I mean, real introduction was Where Is My Mind at uh. Fight Club. Much like everybody, <laughs> much like everybody. I think that's, a, hey, that's a lot of people's intro, but you know what? It doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there, you know? Yeah. I think that's all that matters to me. If if that's how you get look, my introduction to punk rock was the summer of '94, the uh, Repo Man soundtrack. No one was going. Sorry, you can't be into punk rock. Too late. No, we're glad you got here. Welcome yeah. aboard. <laughs> You're now, in. How did that feel though? When when when? Because like that is like really kind of like a cool way. I know this sounds weird and lame. What I'm about to say, but it's a cool way to be introduced because. You know, Where Is My Mind is such a cool song. And then Fight Club is this cool movie and it was a cool book and it was the cool director. And you're also getting Brad Pitt in his like Robert Redford, like sexiness years where he is, (laughs) he's as cool in the best shape. Like, dude, Fight Club, regardless of what I'm going to say it or not, it's on IMDb in the top, I think, 
it's definitely in the top 20 of like yeah. user ratings because it's a great film. And then to end it with this incredible song that most people were like, wait, what is this? I mean, did that be mad? Were you like, eh, were you like, eh, well, good for them? hang on. Doesn't the song also play in the opening credits when they're doing the going through the synapses of the brain? Isn't it playing mm. there or is that another movie? I know that Where Is My Mind has become like the Jeff Buckley Hallelujah where it's being used in too many yeah. um, movies now. Like I yeah. think I, I, I agree with Quentin Tarantino. Once a song is used in a film, if it's used perfectly, then it, it belongs to that film. Yeah. You know? So um, I was, I mean, I had no, I had no, if, if, if a, by the time I saw Fight Club, I had, I had met enough people in the music industry that I had lost that whole, you know, sell your because I knew how penurious and awful record contracts were and how brutal touring is. And if anyone I knew or didn't know that was a musician that can make some money off their goddamn music, I was like, good for them. Yeah. I'm happy to hear. I forgot who said it, but there was some punk rocker that one of their songs was used in a commercial and they're like, some interview was asking, what do you, what do you hear? What do you think of when you hear that song in this bank commercial? And he goes, uh, I hear my kid's teeth straightening. That's what I hear. When I hear that song in the commercial, that's the sound of my kid's teeth straightening. So shut the <laughs> fuck up. Um, yeah. So that I was, I was more than happy to hear it. And I was really happy. I don't know if you saw James Gunn's, uh, Suicide Squad. They used, um, uh, is it chained? It's, it's something off of, um, off of uh, Doolittle and in, in a beautiful fight sequence in the rain mm. that was, um, oh, God damn it. This is going to drive me crazy. Anyway, it's one of their um, songs. At, uh, oh, uh, Hey, it's Hey. That it like, hey, I'm a, trying to, to meet you. Yeah and, yeah, and they use it in a fight sequence in this overexposed white rain, and it is fucking amazing well but so that makes good. sense though but that makes sense Patton, because we're taught like look david fincher uh, a very cool director like james mm -hmm. gum a very good director and yeah, a guy yeah, that yeah. loves comic books so it's like the cool kids are using it and giving it to everybody else where they know it's going to be able to right. get out there um i mean w did you notice that amongst like your comedian friends like as we were talking about the beginning of the alt scene did you notice that you had these connections to bands like the pixie were yeah well we especially had connections to bands and to media that had to be passed around like where you lived in the suburbs you couldn't go to the record store and pick up a pixies song you had to somehow get into the city and get to commander salamander or get to penguin feather maybe they would have it Wait, did you Maxi. say commander salamander yes i did <laughs> right on m street man yeah dude. um hell yeah but you couldn't like go you couldn't go to sam goody in the uh in the suburbs and get a Pixies album. So you had to either get to it in the city or have a friend make you a tape. So a lot of my early stuff that I was into was stuff that was passed around by friends. Like here, check this out. Here, I made you this tape, you know, cause that was the only net, it was pre-internet. We were passing stuff around and connecting everything. And also with all the archival tapes of the, the farting minister and Orson Welles drunk and you know, like all the classic, um, videotapes that would get passed around and then yeah. you know, shut up little man and the garden grove calls and, and the jerky boys. It was a network of check this out. You got to check this out. And, and after, after a while you started to realize who, which friends you could really, really count on to always give you good stuff. Yeah. And, and those friends are great to have. Oh, they're the best man. Yeah. They're the best. Yeah.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. My life, the the guy, that, the, the, the comedian that, that introduced me to the Pixies, after I saw them in concert, he was like, oh, get this, 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 um, is Blaine Kapach. And Blaine is still my um, connection to everything. He always points me towards amazing bands that I would not have heard of if he hadn't shown me. So funny you say that because Blaine came on to do Pink Floyd and not and not like, you know, Animals or The Wall. He did, what was it? Is it Saucer Piper? No, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. So oh, it's the last, yeah. like, I mean, dude could like just go. Like, I was oh. like, thank you, Lord, for you, Blaine, because you saved it. Like, he wow. knew so much and loved Sid Barrett so much. That was perfect. Blaine, big, he, he gave me Sid Barrett's um uh solo album, the one with Octopus on it. I didn't know that Sid did a solo album, and it's yeah. great. He's got he's got everything. He knows, I'm amazed, he knows the full discount. He know yeah, I'm amazed Blaine didn't do an XTC album because that's another one of Blaine's obsessions. I don't think we have that on have, the list. Have we, we return it, have him back on to do um drums and wires. He will it, go off. If it, this because we are bound by this list, this the oh, 500 oh. greatest albums list, so oh, that's why, oh, okay, yeah. So we're like, it sucks, dude. This list, I hate this list because uh-huh. we'll get, we'll get, we're gonna have Pixies, Surferosa, and then the next one's like Jefferson Starship live at Toledo, <laughs> and you're like, I don't know, you can't get an audience with that, like, it just you lose all the momentum. Who are you gonna call? Oh, no, no idea. One of your friends gonna have to pull a short straw, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'll just keep calling Blaine. Blaine. I'm just going to keep yeah. going to that well. Blaine, come in here. So, yeah, but, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, where, what was your introduction to the Pixies? When did you, you it, first heard them in Fight Club? You way know, after the fact. So I had a really cool friend uh, named Paul Beddington. And Paul was the guy that I started going to the Black Cat with. I started going to the 930 Club. <laughs> and and he was the guy that got me into, I guess, I don't even call it just indie, 
indie rock because I grew up so hair metal, so grunge, uh-huh. and 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 then in that like 1990 like mid, I'd say mid to late nineties. It, it's just, that was when I met Paul and he would introduce me to Fugazi and all of these bands that I just thought, cause I thought he was cool. So if, if he thought it was cool, then I thought it was cool, but he would play Pixies and I would hear it. But I think I was just so, I was so closed off musically for so many years where I was like, if it's not, if it's not Radiohead, if it's not the Beatles, if it's not these <laughs> bands, then I don't want to listen to them. And then, you know, I think in 1998, 99, I went to go see yeah. Fight Club and I heard that song and I just was like, what is this? And then I went home on uh, on LimeWire or Napster, yeah. one of them. Oh and, my and, God. And, and so, you know, set up the computer, waited seven, eight hours, it downloaded. And then, and then I listened to it and I was like, this song rules. But here's the thing, Patton, is that it never went anywhere further than that. I just, I never had like a, like an inkling to really like dig into them. Then what's wow. funny though, now what's funny though, is all the bands that I like that I had been listening to were influenced by the Pixies, like Nirvana. There's yeah. no Nirvana oh, without no. Pixies. They flat out said he told Butch Vig, I want to do a Pixies album. Or I think he wanted Smells Like Teen Spirit to sound like a Pixies song. Or that was the instruction or something like that. Their whole music, well, the whole thing. And it also also goes back to why Steve Albini is the producer, not only of this, but he's the producer of In Utero because... So, because Nirvana, I mean, you—it's like you hear it so perfectly. The the quiet, loud, quiet, loud. It's just oh yeah, their whole thing. Come as you are, uh, you know, ev- almost everything off of In Utero, which In Utero it sounds like a Pixies record, but just darker. Yeah. But also, and this yes. is the thing I want to move into too is themes because this is a dark record like lyrically this is not like uh you know fuck yeah i'm gonna go and play tennis with my friends like this is no. like this is some sad like crazy not, shit. N- not just like in terms of the sound this it's it's one thing to sound dark but the lyrics and the subject matter there's a lot of um uh either mutilation or mutation or like physical deformity that, that kind of references to stuff like that um yeah. there, there is a real sense of hopelessness and there's also a, spe- a, a sense the way that they, they do the vocals in um i got i got something against you of someone who is powerless who's been powerless for so long that i want to i want to i want to have contact with someone even if i'm damaging them like that's what that the desperation in that song of i, I got something against you is i will i want contact under any circumstances and it's so threatening and weird yeah. and i think that was a lot of the frustration that was coming out at the time it so, really captured that time so bone machine the inspiration for this track uh were girlfriend unfaithfulness creepy pastor whose intentions i later questioned in that order this is what yeah. i guess from this is from black uh he also described the bow machine as the hips of a woman the song itself deals with a woman named carol and how her contentious or continuous infidelities make black francis wonder if there's some kind of undetectable internal mechanics that control her will and just to give you an idea of just how dark the just the the, the name oh bone God. machine is is that yeah. tom waits named his 1992 album bone machine it's not clear if there's like a real connection wow. but if there's anybody that i could see being influenced because he's just like he's a dark you know mysterious guy i could see oh i'm having something to do with that wow that i mean yeah i mean again you can see the uh connections um 
they were all about being very, very open about um, their influences. You know, apparently that um, uh, the song um, Oh Gigantic is based on a movie uh, Crimes of the Heart, which is about yep. a character having um, a very illicit relationship, a woman having a relationship with a, I believe, an African-American underage boy. And so they turn it into this goopy love song, but the love and delirium of it is cranked up so much that, again, it sounds threatening and strange. Yeah. Like, somebody, like, I know I'm falling into this black pit. I know, and, and the fact that it's wrong is what's turning me on. Like, they really, this was back when, you know, I think a lot of ways to get attention was to be dark and disturbing. And, man, they, boy, did they do that. Yeah. They did they, not skip I, on that. No, they did not. They did not. Something against you, because everything somehow keeps com- coming back to penis. A common interpretation <laughs> is that this, that the something in the song is a penis, and then gigantic. I mean, without saying it, they're saying it. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it, it's there's – and again, a lot of, like, bodies either broken down or someone has been – the body itself has been so damaged, but the mind is still – together in this broken body that can no longer get sex or love or companionship because of how broken it is. And it's driving the mind crazy. Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of people feel when they're in uh, their teens. Um, They just cranked it up to, you know, hyper levels, you know, these are like, these are, these are, this is why must I be a teenager in love? But this is why must I be a horny brain in a broken, disgusting body that nobody wants to fuck? But it's still the same. It's still the same searching answer. But yeah. this is that same person twenty years on the line, not being laid, and he's like, "I'm ready to fucking kill somebody." Yeah, like, like that. You know, it's almost like a, there. There are incel anthems on this album, whether they meant to do them that way or not. Yeah. Uh, this Incredible. this song, Gigantic, uh, made such a big impression on Kurt Cobain. He said in 92, I wish Kim was allowed to write more songs for the Pixies because Gigantic is the best Pixie song and Kim wrote it. Uh, and her reaction wow. is, well, it's better than somebody saying, oh, God, you suck. Kim's so cool. <laughs> and this is Albini's so favorite track on the album. This is, this yeah, is his favorite song. Because wasn't he kind of shitty to the band later when he was talking? He said some stuff in interviews that was kind of mean that I think he apologized for. He really? really put the band down in terms of like, I've never, something like, I've never seen a bigger group of cows waiting to be led around by the rings in their noses. Do you, he was really vicious. Jared, Jared, look that shit up because yeah. everything I'm seeing is is positive. Billy oh, Corgan no, they, think, said good shit. Yeah, no, no. I think that, Albini later was like, I was in a bad place when I gave that interview, but he, I, I think he and the band really were kind of at odds with each other, which is why the album is so amazing because all that frustration comes out. But Albini was very experimental. He was the one that was like, Kim, go in the closet when you're doing those, for, you know, uh, where is my mind? That echoey, creepy, you know, all that. Oh, just- even the even the little in-between banter, it's just... <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I hate to, you know what, and I, I, you know, I feel like I said this about another record that I did with Brian Posehn, but this, this is like, this, if this was sketch comedy, this is like Mr. Show with Bob and David. Do you know what I mean? It's like, except, it's so except out they there. put, except they put the fights in the show. Like, like instead of just the sketches for like two seconds, you see Bob and Dave yelling about, he shouldn't have a hat on. Yeah, And yeah, they just yeah. put that on there, you know? <laughs> 
but it's it's so it's like i could just see it's like when you start listening to these college radio records and you start seeing the trajectory of what comedy was doing at the time and what was popular it's like they're so just hand in hand it's like i can I, it's, oh, this had to yes. have influenced all of that i mean it was it, it not even I wouldn't even say in terms of subject matter, just being the ambient soundtrack. It was like it matched the way our brainwaves were working at the time. I think people forget how dark and tense things were in the late 80s and early 90s. We we thought that, you know, George Bush Sr. might get another uh, uh, term and we didn't know what was ahead. And things just seemed very dark and very bleak and very pointless. And then, you know, luckily there was this a little bit of hope. Maybe it was false hope. I don't know. But this was the ambient noise that I think a lot of us had in our brains anyway, even before the music existed. So they just really landed on what a big portion of the population was feeling. And and, and it, 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 I, I, it was a huge driving in between gigs at the time. Once I became professional, it was all Pixies music. Yeah. I, Blaine and I drove from Wichita to Baltimore one time like just non-stop and just listen to all fucking pixies and was we're thinking of just the darkest fucking shit we could it was because that was the fucking mood we were in man that was the mood we were in and boy yeah. did they nail it and in a way way it was like it but it made it not that it made it fun to be that grim and dark but it, at least you feel like oh other people are feeling this okay good i'm not going crazy everyone we're all on the same boat that seems to be sinking okay there is comfort in that there's comfort in that shared darkness yeah how does it hit now you know being it's fucking i don't even know how many years 25 30 about a math I, I think it hits now the same way that a lot of my early stuff hits for me when i look at it where it's like Oh yeah, that's when I could live on two hours sleep a night, and that's when I <laughs> wanted to go see five movies in a day and read three books and then go do five shows. And I had a million ideas, and I didn't know what was what. So because I didn't, because I was so dumb, I was willing to try anything. Like the Pixies were, let's run his vocal through this guitar amp and see how it sounds. Whereas now, the more stuff you do, the more, sometimes the more experience you have, the more second guessing you have. So you have to go through that, you know, um, uh, the, the, the middle age, like, okay, now I'm sick. And then you, then luckily you have your sixties and seventies coming up where you're like, oh, wait a minute, I don't give a shit about any of this. In a weird way, a lot of times people, when they're in their twenties, and then they're in their 70s, they do their most amazing work because those are the two times that they just don't know enough to give a shit or they know enough to know none of this fucking matters. I can do whatever the fuck I want. It, like, those are the two sweet spots, in my that's, opinion. That's a, that's a, it's a great spot to be in. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, li listening, I, it's just when I was at 19, it was in such a different type of music. And it's just like I almost yeah. wish somebody just would have pushed this more into my life because it's, it's well, great. Well, I said this. There was an interview about Mr. Show, I think on the 25th anniversary. And, and I, I said, I was one of a billion people interviewed, but I said, look, this show, it's not only is it about how brilliant the comedy is, because the comedy is all the, 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 the greatness to, to filler ratio is insane. It's like 99% great. And then, but what's also, it's about being young and fearless and not knowing any better. And they captured, it's rare when that gets captured on film. A lot of times there's a, there's a go between, between the young and then between the establishment. And for some reason, um, and just like this Pixies album, 
Sometimes the young just gets through raw. And when it gets through raw, it captures that feeling of, oh, we, fuck it, we'll do anything. Like, we don't, it's like um, Steven Spielberg says when he watches Jaws, he goes, Jaws to me is about being young and really stupid and fearless. Because I didn't know any better. And there's stuff I pulled off in that movie that I've never pulled off again. Because yeah. unfortunately, I know better now. Yeah. And, uh, and like uh, that, that, that stupidity is now gone. Like sometimes I need that stupidity back. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah. You, did you, okay, did you have met them? Have you, have you been like, is there a story or something? I, I have never once met any of the Pixies. I don't know what I would say if I met them. I love, I mean, I follow a lot of them on social media. I've never gotten to meet them. I think at one point uh, in the early aughts, one of my friends was trying to set me up with Kim to like date and it never happened. And, but I think it would have been a terrible relationship because I would have been so worshipful that she would have gotten sick of me in like a couple of hours and said, all right, get the fuck away from me, you know, <laughs> cause she's a friggin' genius. And she's also so just beyond cute. Um, how, did, like she, how, how did you find, how did you feel about when, when she left the group? Um, I felt really, really uh, bad about it until I heard last splash. Then I went, oh, okay, that's fine. She's like, fine, yeah. She, she has, it's, I mean, I know that there was a lot of animosity and a lot of, but she also had creativity to burn. And it's, it's, a, it's a sin not to burn that off when you have it. And the fact that she went and did the breeders and the amps and the, like all that stuff, just go fucking do it. She really, if, if anything, she was the most pixie of the pixies of, I've got stuff to put out there, I'm putting it out. And it was all great. Everything, pod, last splash, safari, just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Fan-fucking-tastic. I'm amazed more um, Breeders music hasn't shown up in films and TV because that, if anything, is even more catchy slash haunting slash Cannonball. jarring. Cannonball, oh. Cannonball was, that was one of my first bands that I was ever in. We used to cover that. And it wasn't, we didn't, oh. I didn't know about the history of her music or anything. I was like, this is just a badass song. God Even the damn. use of the cymbal stand, like it was, it was great. Well, Man, the song Safari is one of my favorite songs ever. Like really? Safari is brilliant. And that would be an amazing, I don't know, for an action sequence or some kind of like weird. Actually, I don't want to talk about it because I might use that in something. I don't want to spoil it. All right. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. We have a few more minutes, so we're going to do rapid-fire questions to get you out of here. Really Use quickly, your, can I, yeah, can I, you please. might like this, because you mentioned the black cat. 
I'm going to tell you my embarrassing black cat story because yeah. I grew up in Northern Virginia. I saw shows at the 930 Club. I saw shows at the Black Cat. And so when I was touring with Comedians of Comedy, we were booked in the Black Cat. And we got there that night. The place was packed wall yeah. to wall. Couldn't move. And I was doing a little bit of a humble brag backstage after the show, talking to the manager like, wow, we really uh, – Really packed out the black cat, huh? And he's like, yeah, no, you, you guys did really well. Like, I'm just, I just want him to say you sold out the black cat. I'm yeah. waiting for him to give me my kudos. I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, it was, you couldn't even move out there. I mean, it, it, it was, <laughs> probably couldn't sell another ticket, huh? He goes, you did really well, man. You guys really, I'm like, but like the, the ticket sales, it was crazy. He goes, no, no, the ticket sales were really strong. They were really strong. I'm like, well, I mean, we, we sold it out. I mean, you couldn't, and by the way, when you were on stage, you literally couldn't move, like, it was wall to wall. You could yeah. not move. And he said, well, you sold 800 tickets. And I was like, well, so the place was sold out then. He goes, well, the place, Black Hat holds 1,200. And I was like, well, I mean, I was on stage. You couldn't, <laughs> couldn't fucking move. And he goes, well, we do a lot of, like, skate punk shows here and thrash metal, and um, those fans, you know, are kind of like this, and your fans are kind of like, like literally our, because our fans were chubbier, they took up more space and they could only sell 800 tickets. So, um, uh, spatially, spatially <laughs> it was a sellout, but number wise, it wasn't just because of the extra. Bump. That, like, is, oh, hilarious. that is hilarious. That is that is so hilarious. there's my black cat story. I figured you would love that. I love it. I we yeah. I've done the jam at the black cat and uh, which oh. was great. But in but on June 27th, I'm doing a goddamn comedy jam at the uh, 9:30 club for the DC Improv 30th anniversary. And it's like Jessica Curson and Steve Byrne and Donnell and then Red Grant, who's running for mayor of DC. He's doing it. So well, I'm. I'm shooting a thing in Savannah, but if I'm not doing anything that night, I if I took. A commuter thing up? Could I do a set? Hey, we'll talk. We'll see how you know. Let's just, let's you know. Let's see how this plays out. On I'd love that. That would be dope, cool. man. It would be great. Cool. Um, all right, rapid fire questions. These are for different go. fans. Um, right. Who's singing? Do you perform more, Black Francis or Kim Dale? Uh, Kim Deal, hands down. Sorry, Black Francis, I love you. Kim fucking Deal. Right. I mean, my God. Uh, if Pixies were an ethos, what would it be? Uh, Try, but don't be needy. I like that. Yeah. That's good. Um, favorite song on this record? It's so easy to say, where is my mind? But you know what? I, I actually like Tony's theme because in the middle of all this darkness, they seem to be having so much fun doing the goofiest Saturday morning cartoon song in the middle of this sludge. So the, it, it, the fact that they put a a bit of Sherbert palate cleanser in there. I love it. I'm, I'm a big Tony's theme fan. I love it. I love that you went with Sherbert too. That's, I don't know. <laughs> Café Francois, dude. That's what they used to give Café you, a little Francois. bit of Sherbert. Yes, exactly. Uh, least favorite song on the record. Now, I know that's a loaded question because sometimes the album's perfect, but is there anything on the record that you would skip over? I mean, if it's just by like, just, just by default, I still think it's a good song, but uh, Cactus, uh, just Cactus after a while just sounds a little repetitive it doesn't have yeah. any surprise to it each song takes a crazy left to right turn and that one's just like go sweat in your dress and send it to me go bleed on your clothes okay got it thank you like there's no weird turn to it 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, all right. This I ask everybody this. I mean, I've all asked right. everybody from uh, okay. what's Tom Hanks's wife's name? Rita Wilson. Oh, Rita I've Wilson. I've oh. asked her. I've asked Neil deGrasse Tyson. Everybody, Ooh. what song on this record would you fuck to? Oh, I mean, I got it. Well, oh my god, definitely not. Um, something against you. That's a boner killer song, and I love that song. But that's a boner killer. I, you know, where is my mind? Where is my mind? Would be an amazing song to strip to. By the way, imagine some early '90s, like kind of goth suicide girl chick stripping at Mary's Club in Portland to Where Is My Mind. That would look insane. Funny you say that. I used to be a strip club DJ in LA when I first started doing stand-up comedy, and there were some there were some cool girls that danced to two songs that we mentioned today. So oh. Alive by Love and Rockets. What? And, and, and that's a very sexy stripper song. Oh, and yeah. Then, and then Where Is My Mind. No shit. So you've mm-hmm. seen... Wow. Been there. Oh, that must look amazing. It is? Well, you yeah. know, she was, you know, she did a little... It was a day shift. Let's just say it was day shift. It was day shift. Um, and I, I let's see. I was going to look at the rankings right now before we get you out of here because I know this probably moved, and we're going to see if we think this is aptly. Uh, where is it? There it is. All right. So this is the first of two times we'll be talking about the Pixies. Doolittle right. uh, came in at two twenty-seven. And Surferosa, though, has dropped on the new list, the 2020 list. It dropped 73 spots to 390. But Doolittle jumped 86 spots to 141. So being that you're a fan of both of those records, should Doolittle be ranked before Surferosa or should Surferosa be before Doolittle? I actually think that uh, Doolittle should be above Surferosa. I love Surferosa. It is still a band that's forming. Um, There is amazing stuff going on. There is also some great swings and misses on it. Whereas Doolittle, they are so fucking confident from the beginning to the end, not just in terms of songwriting, but in terms of the sequencing of the whole album. It's not like R.E.M.'s murmur uh, belongs above all of their albums. And And a lot of their albums are great, but they caught something in that first album that even though they did good albums after it, they never caught it again. It happens. It happens with a lot of bands that sometimes your first time out, it never happens again, but the Pixies did better and refine what we do. Yeah. I love that's it. my opinion. No, no, no. Yeah. And that's, that's all I wanted. Uh, Patton, thank you so much yeah. buddy, for coming on, man. Wow. This was fucking awesome. Hey, um, if you, if you come back to do little months and months down the road, I would be happy to come back, but I don't want to hog the pics if someone else wants to do them. No, they're yours, dude. They're yours. Thank you, brother. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Patton Oswalt. Well worth the wait. Am I right? Cutting it down to the wire. We're cutting the mustard, putting pickles on the slaw and the slaw on the pickles, whatever that means. Read into it however you will. Follow him on all social media at Patton Oswalt and go to PattonOswalt.com for all things Patton and make sure you check out his new special that's coming sooner than later or go to the, get the tickets and then watch it when it comes out. For shout out this week, I want to give a shout out to at DJ Morty Coyle, uh, former co-host, friend, lover. I love the guy to death. He really helped me out prepping for this Pixies record because I was so worn out from the tour and I needed help. And I one phone call to Morty, man, and he will dial you in. That dude lives and breathes comedy and music. I love him to death. Follow him at DJ Morty Coyle. He's the fucking man. Give him a follow. We just listened to the Pixies from 1988. 
For our new music pick this week, we have Bachelor. You're listening to Stay in the Car off their 2020 debut record, Doom and Sun. And you can find all the links on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you want your song played at the end of this podcast, send it to us and we will play it. Uh, send it to 500podcast at gmail.com, guys. All right. Next week, Velvet Underground. With well, there's a school girl and she's getting heroin on the side of the road. We're going into their 1969 self-titled album. Do your homework. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, 
And my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Next Chapter Podcasts.